This is a special edition of Faith in Action entitled Sons of Melchizedek, where we welcome priests from the Archdiocese of Indianapolis and the Diocese of Lafayette in Indiana to tell us their vocation stories. We are so grateful to and thankful for our priests as they serve us and bring us the sacraments daily. Before we introduce today's special guest priest, we'd like to pray for you, Father. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Gracious and loving God, we thank you for the gift of our priests. Through them, we experience your presence in the sacraments. Help our priests to be strong in their vocation. Set their souls on fire with love for your people. Grant them the wisdom, understanding, and strength they need to follow in the footsteps of Jesus. We ask this through Jesus Christ, who lives and reigns as our eternal priest. Amen. Hello, this is Gordon Smith, and I am today with Father Francis Calapareco from St. Pius X Parish in northern Indianapolis. He is the head pastor at St. Pius, which is in the Indianapolis Archdiocese. Welcome, Father. How are you today? Wonderful. Thank you for having me. Well, this is the Sons of Melchizedek show, and we want to delve into Father Francis's background and find out a little bit about his background and what caused him to become a priest. So, Father, I want to go way back into your past. You're from India originally. That's right. Tell me what, what state and city you are from and where that is in the in the country. I am from Kerala, the southwest corner of the country, India. And it is a very strongly Catholic state um, with St. Thomas the Apostle coming to that state and evangelizing in the year 52 AD. So we are called St. Thomas Christians. So way back to apostolic times is our Catholic faith. That beats this country by a long shot. You're going back 2,000 years of Christianity in India. And so if you kind of imagine the state of India, or the country of India, that is, to be a triangular shape, and the bottom part being the tip that extends into the Arabian Sea, you are from the the coast side of the west side of the point at the very bottom, right? That's right. So at at some point in time, you had a lot of siblings, I understand. You had six siblings that are still living now. That's right. Uh, Where did you fall in that bunch of children? (laughs) I'm the baby at home. (laughs) Oh, you're the youngest, the youngest. And what what was it like growing up? Did you did your mom and dad both take you to mass a lot? Absolutely. There was regular prayer at home, both morning and evening. And then we were encouraged to go to even on weekday masses. When we were in school, we had to go to mass. Plus, um, we have all the weekends, we will go together as a family to one of those masses offered at the parish church. And that was a regular thing going with the parents. And so what was the name of your parish church? St. Anne's Church, Codiculum. That is situated in the, in the province um, of Idiki and the state of Kerala. So you went with your family, your mom and dad, who are, I understand are deceased now. Yes. Uh, but they had a strong influence on you, I would imagine. Absolutely. Yes. So evening prayer, morning prayer, and a lot of daily masses. Um, your siblings, uh, you were the youngest, but you have, I understand, one sister that became religious as well. What is her name? Her name is Sister Rosalie. 
And what uh, order is she with? She belongs to an order, a religious order called Saint Joseph of Tarbes, which originated in France. Tarbes is a place in France. A lot of people just don't realize the strong influence of Christianity as it spread throughout the world, uh, back from apostolic times, St. Thomas, of course. So, and being a coastal area, you had a lot of influence from uh, the trade and, and boats that came through That's uh, right. over hundreds of years, right? That's right, yeah. Now, at about age 15, I understand you went to minor seminary, which is pretty young in terms of this country, right? That's correct. Where did you go to minor seminary? I went to St. Thomas More, sorry, St. Thomas uh, Minor Seminary, Imphal. And where was that located? That was located in the northeast of India. It's approximately 2,000 miles away from my home. Um, I wanted to be a missionary priest, and I, I chose to go to Manipur at the age of 15, along with, we were 16 of us in the seminary joining the seminary at the same time, traveling for the first time in the train. How long did it take to get from home to the Five seminary? days. Five days on a Five train. Days. Four days in the train and one day by, you know, half the day by train plus, you know, the rest of it is by jeep, uh, by a local transportation. It took us five days. So that was a great distance, and of course, there was no language problem, was there? Definitely yes. Definitely yes. Yeah, we, de we didn't know English, and the following day, you reach the seminary, you have to, you have to speak English, and English was not a language that we learned. At least we couldn't communicate in English, but we were taught day by day we were learning English. Um, that was interesting, yes. So the seminary operated in English, which is kind of a second language in India, but India is a country with many, many languages. Absolutely. And many languages and many dialects. dialects. That's mm -hmm. right. Well, uh, at age 15, you were away from home. You were not coming home for the weekend, for sure. And you spent quite an amount of time in minor sem seminary, and then you went on to a major seminary at that time as well. So yes, where was that? The major seminary, two major seminaries. One was Christ King College, Shillong, and I did my theology at Orient Theological College, both situated in Shillong, in the state of Meghalaya. That is, again, in the northeast of India. So again, we're looking at a map of India. I am looking at a map of India. It's a triangular country, which is, by the way, now, as of this summer, the world's largest populous country. It has surpassed China in population. So a lot of, a lot of folks from this area don't even know that. I was a little surprised myself. It has grown to over about a billion and a half people. That's correct. But different languages. And this was uh, not necessarily a safe area uh, that you went to. It was um, a little challenging for you, was it not? Yes, initial years of my formation were not really bad. Um, but later, after 1990, things began to be worse uh, with the several insurgent groups forming you know, trying to be independent from the country. They want to secede from the country. So we're working for their own independence, as they call it. So they wouldn't want to accept any any of the national dates or national leaders. So they 
that became a big challenge. Was that religiously based? Was that the Hindu or Muslim population, or how did that work, Father? It's predominantly Hindu-dominated insurgent groups, but they were originally not against any particular religion as such. Although in the recent times, this has taken a different tone altogether, um, with a kind of anti-Christian feeling among them, and working against Christians and Christianity. And Christian institutions. Which Christian institutions only comprise about uh, two to three percent of the population of the country, correct? That's overall in the country, that's right. And that which sounds to me like a very low percentage, except when you compare it to the entire population of the country, it's it's millions and millions of Catholics in India, correct? That's true, but the influence of the Catholic Church in India is amazing, you know. The Bishop's Conference is next to the Parliament, which is representing people's representatives, the elected representatives of the country. The Bishop's Conference is a very powerful organization in the country. Besides, the Christianity or Christians provide 22% of the healthcare infrastructure in the country and 40% of the educational infrastructure in the country, which means although we have only 3% Christians in the country, we have such an influence on the entire country because of both healthcare and education and you know, social welfare programs of the church. Well, thank God for that. Thank God for the Catholic Church. Um, a lot of people would associate Mother St. Mother Teresa of, That's right. of Calcutta with India, but that was in a whole different part of the country, right? That's how we always travel. When I went to Northeast, I had always passed through the city of Calcutta. So city of Mother Teresa, we passed several times. Whenever we traveled, Calcutta is like a kind of hub wherein we fly in or we drive in or you know, travel to Calcutta to catch the next train or a flight that goes to our home state. Did you ever meet Mother Teresa? I did not personally have an opportunity to see her in person, although I have visited her place several times. I missed her. I don't know how I missed her, but I I have been there to her convent and, and all of their ministries. It was amazing. Father, tell us a little bit about the... Um I was starting to talk about religious freedom a little bit uh, in the northeast of the country, um, but it, it, we kind of, um, oh, let me put it this way. In, in, in this country, we pray for foreign missionaries, and in my limited knowledge, I've always kind of considered that people in the U.S. sending missionaries overseas, but I've changed my thinking about that. We have a good number of priests from uh, different parts of the world, including yourself, that preach to us now. And I think that's so important because we don't have the vocations that we should have. So could you speak to the vocations in this country and, and how you becoming a missionary priest, which is what you really wanted, how that affected your life? Absolutely. Let me go back a little bit here. Um, it was when I was a fourth grader, my mother took me, um, first of all, to an ordination. Uh, an ordination of one of our neighbor uh, family had an f- ordination there at the parish. My mother took me there. 
I got so admired by the fact of that ordination ceremony itself. It just shook me altogether. And I asked, I started asking questions. And my mother on my, on my way back home after the ceremony was asking, do you also like to become a priest? That was the first nudge that my mother gave me about being a priest possibly sometime later. It got me thinking then on. And every time when my mother takes me to the church, and I remember one incident in particular, when she took me to one of the 40-hour adoration that happened in our neighboring parish, my mother walked into the church as we, I was holding her hand. I was a little fellow at that time. She knelt and then prostrated before the Blessed Sacrament from far. And she, I, I could look at her face and she is entirely different there. So I, I also knelt seeing her kneeling. And then she told me, see, right in front upon the altars, something golden there. And do you see a white thing at the center? She showed me that is Jesus. It's not prayer, that is Jesus. The real presence, body, blood, soul, and divinity. Absolutely. I never knew any theology at that time, but my mother showed me for the first time where Jesus is really present. We'll be right back. I want to expand on this comment with Father as we return. I know how important the message of hope that you guys give is. And it could be enough to make a miracle happen in someone else's life like it did for mine. Catholic Radio Indy. An interview with Father Trenton Rauch and his story on how Catholic Radio influenced his vocation. I was not struck uh, by lightning and knocked off my horse. I had a lot of time driving in the car listening to the radio, and I just got to a point where I would prefer to listen to something that would be in intellectually stimulating. And um, at the same time, I was learning about the faith, particularly the apologetics. Catholic Radio. Building faith. Building vocations. Hello, we're back. I'm uh, Gordon Smith. This is Sons of Melchizedek. I'm with Father Francis from St. Pius X Parish in the Archdiocese of Indianapolis right now. And Father was just telling us about his mother prostrate in the church and um, how that was one of his first experiences with the Holy Eucharist. Will you want to continue, Father? Yes. And then, you know, my mother got up from kneeling and took me by hand and we went closer. We did not have any pews in the church. We were just kneeling, and mother, my mother was leaning, kneeling. And then I, I knelt for some time, and I got tired. I started sitting. But my mother was so focused looking at Jesus in the Blessed Sacrament of the Eucharist that got me thinking, you know, she was definitely talking to Jesus so closely she was not saying any words, but she was just intently looking at Jesus in present body, soul, and divinity in the Blessed Sacrament. And that got me changed the way I walk into church from then on as a young, young boy. About what age were you then? Probably I was nine. Nine years, years old. Yeah. So that's an important thing I want to draw out of you. It is important that parents... 
uh, parents that are in your parish right now encourage their children or at least not discourage their children from a religious vocation. And they need to show the, the reverence of the Holy Eucharist. And if, if it, all it takes is one comment, and here you are in this country years later as a priest, and thank you for that vocation. Thank you thank so you. much, Father. You know, never, please, never discourage your children from investigating a vocation, right? Absolutely. I think that it's always it's the parents and a praying family that make the difference in the life of the children. At home, we are always a customary prayer, both in the morning, which is shorter, and in the evening, 45 minutes of prayer, and we have the full rosary, a reading from the Bible, then we used to pray for the deceased members of our family, the souls in purgatory, every day. And at the end, we all will go and greet from you know, from the parents to the oldest, to the youngest, which means we go and say, praise be to Jesus Christ. And and then only we have our dinner. So it's after evening prayer, we have the dinner together. And then after dinner, we'll all sit together and talk, you know, spend a lot of time and fun. And then only we go to bed. So, you know, that family that prays together nurtures vocations of priesthood and religious life. That's very important. And your father, was he supportive as well? Absolutely. Initially, when I said I was going to join the seminary, being the youngest, according to the culture, I was supposed to look after the parents. So he wasn't too happy when I said I'm going to, I'm planning to go to join the seminary. He wasn't too happy. He was very upset. But my mother, you know, was always encouraging me and him It'll be all all right, you know. She was the one, you know, that woman of great faith, a woman of courage. Well, we want to thank you for your vocation and thank them for the way they encouraged uh, you in your early years. Now, I want to also take a moment here. You have some unusual hobbies, I think, Father. Can you tell us a little bit about your hobbies? <laughs> I do love gardening, you know. I I, wherever I worked, I like to have a, a vegetable garden. Basically, it is, it's fun to plant and see things grow and produce you know, good harvest, too. Um, and then recently, since 2014, I've developed a hobby of fishing, which I love fishing, to especially go into the waters, see the beauty of the water, the calmness, and the greenery and the beauty of the colors around the lakes is amazing, and it is so refreshing. Very calming, very, very calming, calming fishing. Yes, yes. So you're a, a fisher of men and a fisher of fish. Yes, I do. <laughs> okay, Father, what, what is it that um, is your favorite sacrament to confer to parishioners here? Definitely there are, there are two sacraments that is most f favorite is one is the sacrament of the Eucharist, and the sacrament of reconciliation. And they are so very well connected. Now, uh, you, we prayed before we started this interview, and you called down the Holy Spirit. Can you tell me a little bit how the Holy Spirit has influenced your life? Absolutely. Especially when I was going through a crisis 
in my life as a priest because of the life threat and I had to leave the missions and I was back home spending that whole time discerning God's will for me. Um, I spent over a year and a half spending time in personal retreats and personal growth and especially relying on the Holy Spirit who is the ultimate teacher and the and the the former within you he is the one who forms us deep within he is the one who reminds us of continuous god's love and his forgiveness and mercy and to rely on his strength rather than any of our capabilities or abilities but relying on god and his power amen amen to that do you have a uh, this is a trick question for sure father do you have, Father Francis, do you have a favorite saint? Oh, absolutely. I think if I wouldn't say it's St. Francis, I'm sure he would be offended. <laughs> so I, I definitely am a fan of St. Francis of Assisi. There's a story behind this because when I was born, there was a, there was a, you know, a confusion. What names sh- should my mother give to me? And many of them said it should be St. Francis of Xavier, Francis Xavier, as he's also a patron of the country, uh, the Western Coast. and He traveled to traveled India. To mm-hmm. India. And then he evangelized many of the coastal areas, both in the South and the West Coast, was evangelized by him. And uh, so they said they want to give Francis Xavier. But my mother said, no, I want Francis of Assisi. That's what he's going to be. So she was very adamant that I take that, and that's the name I took. That's Francis of Assisi, and he's my favorite saint. That's my favorite place to visit um, in Italy, in, you know, in Assisi, in Italy, where I have been, fortunately, three or four times. Of course, St. Francis is famous for rebuilding our church. That's right. And uh, he got that message wrong the first time, he thought it was bricks and mortar, but it's really the faith of the people that needed to be rebuilt, right? Absolutely. So tell me a little bit about um, your favorite Bible story or verse, Father. My favorite verse from the Bible is John 10.10. 10, I came that you may have life and life in abundance. The entire life of Jesus was to give us life, and not just mere life here on earth, but eternal life. And he did that all the way from the very beginning till the end of his life. He gave up his life for the sake of us. That's why whoever loses his life for my sake will gain it. You know, I had several options as a young boy to become priest or not. And when I made the choice to become a priest, I thought this is the best way I can bring eternal life to so many, so many. And that's why it was always, I love my priesthood, I cherish my priesthood, and if there is a life after this, I'll choose my priesthood. Well, that's what we're all trying to get to. We're all trying to get to heaven. We want every single person on the planet to get to heaven. Um, That's a big challenge, but you are showing us the way, and we really appreciate your vocation. God bless you for your vocation, Father. Thank you. 
I want to talk about uh, the parishes that you've served in the Archdiocese of Indianapolis a little bit as well. You're at St. Pius X right now. You've been here since 2021. Where else have you served? I came to the United States in 2013, and I went to Our Lady of the Greenwood as associate pastor for less than two years, and I served there as an associate pastor with uh, um, our dear pastor, Mar- Mark Skwarskov. Uh, Monsignor Mark Skwarskov is retired now. Right. Yeah. Then I moved to the west side of Indianapolis, which is to Mooresville, um, which is close to the airport. It's in the West Deanery uh, from 2015. And 2019, I was also interested with St. Anne's Church in Indianapolis, which belonged to the South Deanery of Indianapolis. Um, so I had two parishes at that time. So I was there uh, 2015 to 2021. Now, you also have some other things that you do. You didn't mention earlier as a hobby. This is not a hobby. You have a position as uh, you're over the secular Carmelites. That's right. Um, And I don't mean over it as much as you're the, what do we call you, the ecclesial advisor? Spiritual. Spiritual advisor? Yes. What's involved with, with the secular Carmelites, and how does that work, Father? You know, when I was back um, at St. Thomas More, every first Saturday, I used to give them a conference and listen to their, I mean, confessions, and then say Mass at the end of it um, with entire time in prayer with the exposed Blessed Sacrament, allowing them to experience God's mercy. Um, And then that conference each month I take a, a particular theme and help them to reflect on them and then reflect on their own life and then make a good sacrament of reconciliation as a spiritual advisor and lead them closer to God. And I found that it was, it was very, more than they being helped, I was helped personally. So it was an opportunity for me to get closer to God and spend more time in prayer. Um, Isn't that the case? Uh, we help each other. That's right, yes. Right. Well, I want to thank you for your time today, Father, and I would like to also have you give us a blessing for all of our audience listening, if you wouldn't mind doing a prayer for us right now, and and then we'll close after that. Okay. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Good and gracious God, we thank you for this time, for the inspiration and the guidance that you gave us through the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit, Lord, continue to inspire many, many young people, men and women, to serve you as priests and religious in your church and to serve your people and allow this church to grow and flourish. Blessed Mother Mary, the mother of all vocations, we ask you to intercede for us and watch over us. Glory be to the Father and to the Son and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning is now and ever shall be, world without an amen. Thank you very much, Father. God bless you. God bless you, too. Thank you. You've been listening to a special edition of Faith in Action entitled Sons of Melchizedek. Join us again next time when we'll feature another priest from the area. If you are interested in having your priest appear on this show, please contact us at Catholic Radio Indy.